We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Billy, though, the one thing that I've noticed that I've seen you on a, a lot of shows over the last handful of years is you're, you're a good podcast guest. I don't just mean like, you know, you have information. Do you understand what I mean when I say you're oh, a good I guest? I suck at hosting. I know that. It's, oh, um, that wasn't the implication, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've naturally like just known that. It's, it's one of these things like I like that people ask me the questions and I can answer the questions. But if I'm framing it and organizing it, I just don't feel like I have a good flow when I'm hosting. I struck on something here because that was not what I said was that you're... But Yes, these are two different skills. There's podcast guest and there's podcast host. But I just meant that when you're on a podcast, what I think that a lot of people, because a lot of guys have a lot of great information, you know, everyone has different styles of delivering that information. But the reason, Billy Muzio, I think that you are a uh, an elite level and uh, a, a podcast guest, PG one, you're a top, you know, is because uh, you have patience, you have uh, you're generous. And you understand the nuances of podcast conversation. You must listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm assuming. I used to listen to a lot more than I listen to now. Um, my schedule does not permit it as much, but um, I do like to listen to a lot of podcasts. I like to to see what people are doing, to get the nuances, and just to understand kind of how people like to flow during their shows. And it's 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 something that I've really kind of been intrigued by over the years because everyone does it a little differently. And I appreciate that people, we all have this like impatience, this impulse to like say what we, you know, this is my take and now it's your turn to take. Now it's my turn to take. And, I, you know, from listening to a ton of fantasy football podcasts, right, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, all, all everyone's podcasts. I just think, and again, it's a, you have to do it so many times to really figure it out. And I just think that that's what it is. It's just being generous with the person you're with and, and figuring out what that all is about. And especially a lot of times you're having podcast guests on your show on Player Profiler Network. I mean, you do The Dominator. You have First Class Fantasy. You have all these different shows you're involved with. And it's you're, you're dancing with a new partner every time. Yeah, it's it's fun, though. You, know, you get a different perspective. I always say iron sharpens iron. You get to be able to you know understand and break down different scenarios of people. Maybe they see something in a different light than you do. And it helps you kind of understand that situation a little bit better. It kind of opens up a, a different narrative. And I think that we get stuck in these narratives all the time and I do it myself and, you know, it's uh, everyone does it. And then sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we're right, you know, but it helps you at least see things from different angle to be maybe reconsider your stance and, and maybe help your valuation of the player. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what we're going to do today on this video at some point, I don't know when we're going to do it or how we're going to do it, but you, you do projections for player profiler and um, you've, you, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and you've, uh, and you've won some projection contests. So it, it, I am curious, you must see guys that you're ranking and that you're putting in projections that it's so obvious to you, you're ready to fire them up the rankings at some point. So a couple things have to happen. So you're, you're being responsible. You understand that people are drafting at different times and a certain player's given the ADP. So we're going to try to identify a few players that it's easy to see, or we're going to lay out the case of how they could just fire up, skyrocket up your rankings. Does that sound like a, a worthy exercise? Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, this is right up my alleyway. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. So before we do that though, uh, you're, you play a lot of high stakes fantasy redraft. You, you play a lot of best ball. You're, you're involved in content creation. What do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that even experienced high stakes or redraft players make that they need to be careful of in 2023. We just, and this is, I'm saying this for my own good as well. We just get stuck like back to the narrative piece. We get stuck in a narrative. We get stuck into a ownership that we don't like a certain player or we don't like their scenario. And what if we're wrong, right? We have to account for the fact that we could be wrong. Prime example last year was Josh Jacobs. I did not own a lot. I did not like Josh Jacobs. I did not like the situation that he was in. We had McDaniels come over from the Patriots offense who had always seen a three or four headed monster in the backfield. Everything they signaled in the offense was that they were going to use a three headed backfield, right? They brought in Amir, not, they brought Amir Abdullah. They they drafted Zamir White. They brought in Brandon Bolden. To me, it sounded like, and it, they signaled that they were going to be utilizing a bunch of heads in this backfield. So I moved them down my rankings to like RB 25, which as we know was extremely wrong. Um, and I continued to pass on him even in late rounds when he was going in like round seven, round eight at times. And I continued this narrative that I didn't want to have a piece of this, this, you know, RBs by committee. And I said, I'm not going to do it. And I think the only few shares I had were drafts I fell asleep in and I auto drafted them because I draft every single night. And uh, literally I fell asleep in the middle of the draft and it was like, you know, midnight my time. And, uh, that team ended up going to like the finals. It was this Henry Josh Jacobs stack that I would have never built in my life. And just shows you that we're wrong sometimes and we have to be willing to take players that we don't want. And so this year I'm forcing myself to take players I don't like and build teams around players that I don't necessarily like, or maybe that I have a tier below. Because when we really talk about tiers and we really talk about projections, what is it really? 10, 15 fantasy points separating these tiers? And in the grand scheme of things, that's one, two touchdowns, right? And we're, we're at one and a half and right, a couple of catches, whatever it may be. And so I think we have to be willing and able to accept that we're wrong in situations and we need to build teams in that scenario to say, what if? Yeah. And I, and I think that the better players, like you always say, like fantasy football is a lot of luck. You know I mean? I, I've lost to like biggest donkeys in like office leagues and things like that. But what really separates it is what you just said, not is understanding the tiers, understanding, you know, it's not about player takes. It's about just really examining where the market is going. And you um, you, you brought up something interesting there uh, about Josh Jacobs. But, you know, just looking back, and you made me think about it, because, you know, I think that a lot of fantasy analysts were out on on Josh Jacobs and the market yeah. was too. But even when you remember when he played in that first preseason game? Yeah. And <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, that's, that's the nail he's on done. the phone. Yeah. Right. So what... What is it that you could have avoided to, I mean, like it just, all of the signs were there that Josh Jacobs wasn't a good play last year. 
what did you miss? Because it wasn't like you missed them. Every single person missed it. I think we underestimated the contract year, right? We had something that I usually always bake into my projections, um, but I didn't bake it in enough with him. And I think that we also look at it and say, um, there was a lot of moving pieces with the offense. Maybe they're going to lean on the run a little bit more. Um, and I think that we needed to uh, make sure that we really look at every angle that we possibly can. And so the one thing I would say is that I don't think it happens again because everything went wrong for it to go right for him. Everybody got hurt, right? Waller, Waller was hurt. We had Renfro hurt. Um, so there were so many so many outs that he had. I'm a poker player too. So he had so many outs last year because of those injuries that they just leaned into the run as much as they did. I mean, there was that, that game against Seattle. We had like 300 total yards. He didn't practice all week. And then they hand the rock like 30 something times like that game. Like, come on, like that's just not even smart from a coaching perspective. And so th- like everything literally went wrong for, for the Raiders for it to go right for Josh Jacobs. I don't think that we see that alignment of the stars again in order for it to perfectly match up. And so I'm, I'm not buying where he's at again this year. Again, I'm mixing him into the fold. I'm getting some ownership. I'm diversifying my portfolio more so than I have in the years past, but I don't think I'm going to be drafting much of him again. All right. So let's identify first a player that give me a one player that you believe is destined to skyrocket up the rankings. Now, by the way, skyrocket, just to define what this means, this could mean going from round three to round two, right? Like that's a skyrocket because those are big choices. The difference between round three and round two is the same difference between going from round 18 to 12 in my judgment, maybe even more important. So it doesn't matter how big the it, it near the top, the smaller jumps are significant because you only get three picks in the first three rounds, right? I, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone said, oh, I wouldn't take him at 3.3, but I take him at 3.6. No, you get one chance at this player. So Who's a player that you predict is going to skyrocket by the time we get to Labor Day? Christian Watson. I, I think the more he's not necessarily a household name yet. Right. And when people are drafting, they're going after household names. But when you look at the depth chart and you look at this team, he is the clear cut number one inside of this Packers offense. Yes, I know we have a new quarterback with Jordan Love and we no longer have back to back we don't. We, we no longer have back-to-back extra caliber. I mean, I mean, these quarterbacks that the Green Bay Packers just went from. They went from Favre to Rodgers. I mean, now Jordan Love. Good luck, right? It's these are Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks, and and so Jordan Love has some big shoes to fill. But Christian Watson is the clear-cut one. Outside that, they only have Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. They have two rookie tight ends, so it opens up a lot of target share for Christian Watson. He's Wide receiver 15 in my rankings currently, but we're constantly seeing him go in, you know, FFPC drafts in like round four still in best ball round five at times. And I think that he's going to climb to like early four to late third. Eventually I, it's, we're starting to see it in redraft more where he's starting to go in round three already, but he was going in round five slowly creeping up. But I think when everything's said and done, he's a round three pick. And you mentioned, you referenced the FFPC where you only need to really start two receivers if you wanted to. In the NFFC, you have to minimum start three, and it's optimal, you know, sometimes to start the four. You could see that ADP even rise, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. Also, with if your league likes running backs, or it doesn't matter though, because if your league pushes down Christian Watson, he's around six. He could jet up to round four instead of round three. I like that pick also, and I I'm not so, and I I hear that a lot, like oh Jordan, like the assumption is he sucks. What if he's 
the 16th best quarterback in the league. That's enough to feed him, right? I mean, he doesn't have to be top five quarterback for Christian Watson to have uh, you know, a top eight wide receiver year. Yeah, I have met 20. I, I think 16 is definitely within the realm of possibilities. You're talking about talk, love. love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking about love. When, when, when we have that tier, if you look at that tier, uh, separating from 16 down to 21 is separated by exactly 17 fantasy points. So it's another tight-knit group. Um, love has every opportunity, I think, to, to be number one in that group there. I think you can. everyone is almost interchangeable there. But I, I think he has the weapons to succeed. I don't think that they're going to be in as favorable of a game script as they have been in the past with Rodgers. And so that's going to benefit the passing game as well. And I think that we're going to see him outperform expectations. Um, and we saw him have a connection last year with Watson in the one game that they played together when they came back against Philadelphia and hit him across the middle of the field. And I lost 250 bucks. And, um, <laughs> and so I think that we, we see that connection continue. He's explosive. Uh, Watson is, I should say. Um, and I think that, just these two in general, like my, my projection is conservative at 22% target share. And I think that we could easily see 23, 24%. And now we're talking about a, 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 you know, back in wide receiver one. And, and, and that's just me being conservative in the target share because the think things get spread around inexperienced quarterback, you know, different weapons, dual running backs that have the ability to catch. And so there's a lot of variables here, but I think that Watson has a lot of outs. Let me, um, I, you can't say it better than Billy just laid out for, for uh, Christian Watson, but I'll add a few, just a couple little sprinkles on top is that football is a small sample size, right? Billy, I mean, a whole season is a small sample size. So if you're going to, you know, if we, if you got a little peek in the mirror of what uh, the Christian Watson, Jordan Love, like you just said, week 12 versus Philly, four catches, 100 and was it 10 yards and a touchdown uh, from week. I believe it was 10 on. So two months of sample size when Christian Watson became a full-time starter, he was wide receiver nine. He was already there. It's not, you don't have to project him. He's already done it from the time he was given the job. So uh, he's, he's one of, I, in fact, I took him over Cooper cup in a, a dynasty league. That's an age thing, a strategy thing. Uh, I took some, uh, some shots for that one and I could regret it, but uh, I, I like, um, I'm in agreement here so far. Uh, a player that I thought you mentioned him uh, already is Deontay Johnson. He's already creeping up a little bit. I, I looked last year. He was like wide receiver 36 and he had zero touchdowns famously, right? You almost can't do that if you tried. And then he was, uh, if you just add four touchdowns to last year's total, he zips up to like wide receiver 22. Is he someone that you think could could uh, start creeping his way up in your projections? Yeah, I feel like I'm in a tunnel. I've, I've echoed that sentiment for quite some mm. time now. Oh, good. Um, love Deontay Johnson. Love him at cost. He's been going... That's like wide receiver 35, 36. He's climbing. Um, I'm starting to see him go earlier now as as we get more and more in a draft season. But I, I think he was just really, really disregarded because of that zero touchdown performance. And I think it's, like you said, it's going to be physically impossible to happen. Prior to that, in 2020, he saw seven. 2021, he saw eight. I mean, this guy has seen 144 targets or more since his 2020 season. And... I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, we, we look at this offense as a much improved O-line. They drafted Broderick Jones in round one. They drafted a blocking tight end in round three. They got another offensive line uh, in, in round seven. And so I think that we're going to continue to see their offensive line improve, which will give them a little bit more time to throw the ball. It'll also allow Najee Harris to run the ball a little bit more, which will balance 
um, their offense out and keep defenses honest. But Deontay Johnson is the clear cut number one in this offense that should be a top 10, maybe top 12, you know, attempts in the league. And so I think that Deontay Johnson is severely underrated this year. He's my wide receiver 22 in my rankings. Um, and I've been saying the same thing. If he had four touchdowns, this is not even a talking point. He's going as a top 20 receiver again. What's your projection for him as of today, of time of recording? Time of recording. Let me and then, look. and also, yeah, while you're going to click that up, the other thing I like to talk about when we talk about players skyrocketing is not like, hey, draft this player. I always want to ask you and follow up the question is what type of a roster construction would you need, Billy, to draft this type of player? So we already started and we, we talked a little bit about Christian Watson. Presumably, that would be somebody taking Christian Watson as their second receiver if they've split the first two rounds. Or if you're doing, you know, you, you basically when you're talking about a round three pick, you can have any build you want. Maybe he's not the ideal type of player that you want if you go, if you're one of these people that, that, that likes Travis Kelsey in the first round and you're taking a vanity elite quarterback in the second round. Maybe Watson's not the right pick there. Maybe he is. Who knows? So go back to Watson real quick. If you're, if you're going to see him in the third round, what type of a roster build do you want to have in your first two rounds to feel comfortable with him at the end of round three? I think it breaks down to how many bullets you have, right? If, if, if you're going with one or two bullets, I think you got to take a little bit more of a conservative approach. But if you're like me and you're mass entering tournaments, I think you can get pretty creative in, in your roster construction and how you want to utilize him. Like I'm fine if he is your wide receiver three or four, right? In a, in, in, in a, in a, tournament build where you're going to punt running back, or if you want to take maybe a, a conventional approach and you're inside of a 12 man home league, you know, you probably want to get a running back or two in there. And so then he's probably going to be your wide receiver too. And so I think it just depends upon one, the league that you're in two, what type of volume that you play. Um, when we talk about roster construction, there's so many variables and we talk about, um, is it tournament? Is it home league? Is it 10 team? Is it 12 team? Is it 14 team? And so this is, I think, a talking point that is so under discussed in the industry because people will just talk about roster construction and right. talk about roster construction, talk about roster construction. But for, you know, all of those sitting at home, like there's so many different aspects that go into roster construction that we have to consider. And so it really depends upon what you want to do, what you're trying to achieve with that team. Are you just trying to win your league? Are you trying to win a million dollars? Are you trying to win $3 million? And so, when you look at all these questions and you answer those questions, then you have to determine what that build's going to look like. And so I think if we're playing at home, we're playing 12, team, 12 man leagues. He's your wide receiver two, he's your wide receiver three. <laughs> really want to get dangerous? He's your wide receiver four, right? And then you're, you're getting value at running back later. There's so many late round running backs this year that I think that that really could be an optimal build, even in a home league, is, is you know, four straight receivers. And then you start attacking the running back position just because, again, those tiers are so tightly knit together. And we're talking about running backs, at running back 20, 21, 22, 23, that all have the ability to be RB 12, 13, 14. And so when we when we talk about roster construction, we talk about creating the most optimal lineup. There's so many different ways that you can attack it this year because positions have been pushed up the board, like quarterback and tight end. And so it really opens up the board this year. Yeah, I, I like that adding. <clears throat> I think that's important because I think we're guilty of that um, across the board, myself included, is that. We talk about, I think when you're talking about something like underdog, like a best ball, like it's uniform roster construction. We all get it. So you don't need to define those parameters. But yep. when we're talking in a redraft league, um, you know, for the most part, we need to uh, caveat, is this home league or is it tournament? I think that's, you know, but for the most part, your first three, four picks, 
it's kind of, you know, there's there's 30 good players that everybody wants. And then, of course, there's a lot of uh, holes in everyone. Let's go back to Deontay Johnson. That's what I asked you about before. What's uh, you have as his projection for this season? I have him for 26% target share, 155 targets, 61% catch percentage. It puts him at 1,002 yards, and I give him 5.5 touchdowns. And so it's... How many receptions is that? Uh, receptions, sorry, 95. Okay. I mean, that's major. That's yeah. major. Yeah. No, okay. That, so that that's going to pay the bills in the fifth and sixth round in any format. Yeah, that puts him as wide receiver 20, 22 in my ranking. So that's just behind DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Mm. I love that. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break here, Billy. I just want to tell everybody about Reality Sports uh, Online. I don't know if you've tried this out yet, but by now, most people have heard of Reality Sports from listening to the Rotowire podcast. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz is about in Dynasty. You hear us talk about it every week here. Dynasty fantasy football is growing. It's a community... Um, a free agency, you have multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap. I mean, everything you can think of uh, about running your own team. So if you're a little, if you want to try something outside of just the standard dynasty, or if you want to try something outside of redraft, Reality Sports Online, you think you're among the fantasy elite, uh, this is the platform that'll put you to the test. Still not sure. You can test out our general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE. Receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. I'm going to check that out. I mean, it'll only take up half of my life, you know, if I do that. I, I, maybe I shouldn't check it out, but I'm looking. Anyone listening to this, go peek out at that website. I'm here with Billy Muzio from Player Profiler. Billy, what, what is title did they slap on you over there at Player Profiler? Director of Operations. Um, oh, so that means you do everything. Yeah, I, I, I have a business background. And so for me, it's kind of the perfect blend of what I do daily inside my business and mixing my fantasy life. It's actually a pretty much a dream come true job for me because I get to help manage the business. I get to help manage contracts and, and strategy over at the site and, and kind of the, 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 the big picture per se, right? And, and help manage the bottom line and then also get to, you know, do podcasts, create rankings, and drink beer and talk sports. I mean, what else could I want? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and you know, uh, your quality of work shows. I'm a fan. I've seen you around for the last couple of years. You came into my my purview. I'm embarrassed only a couple years ago from appearing on Matt Kelly's show and doing the show with him. What is your history in uh, fantasy? Will you just uh, will you high? You give it to me. I don't want to speculate here. Yeah, I actually lurked in the shadows for about five to seven years. I just kind of sat there quietly observing, not really doing anything. Did my own projections and drafted off them in FFPC and had a lot of success. And um, just I, honestly, like I, I was fine doing it. Like I said, I'm a businessman. I, I didn't really think I was ever going to get into the industry. I didn't have time back then. Um, things change. You get a good staff, you get comfortable in your business. And I started having more free time. And so I <clears throat> asked fantasy pros to publish my projections and was told, uh, one, you have to do them for two years. It'll have done them for two years. Well, no, they need to be published. And so I needed to find a site that would actually publish my, my, my rankings. And so here I am lurking in the shadows with no followers and not really knowing anybody in the industry. And this was like you know, seven years ago. And so um, a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Patch over at Fantasy Data, uh, brought brought me on board and we did a podcast with Bradley Stalder and and started doing my rankings over there and got me into the Fantasy Pros contest. 
Um, and then the first year I was able to submit them, I won the contest. And so <laughs> it's, it's like when it's, it's like, um, I'm trying to think of like uh, hitting a hole in one with your first golf shot, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. So it is, I mean, like I said, I've been doing, I did them for years. Um, I just wasn't able to submit them ever. And I didn't really have an area to publish them either. So it was all for my own drafting purposes. It was all for my own use because it made me a better fantasy player. Um, I'm a numbers guy. I like to be able to see things on paper, be able to analyze people and see things and create narratives and watch film and put it all together and, and kind of have a blend of analytics and, and film and be able to create these things. And that's what I prided myself on. And, and so it was nice to be able to get them published. It was nice to be able to actually see how they stacked up against some of the best in the industry. Um, and, you know, I always say a broken clock is right twice a day. And yeah, I was just right. happened to be right that time. Um, and then followed it up with the number four finish last year. So um, pretty excited to be able to do this regularly now. And if, if you can hear Billy's passion through the microphone or watching on the video as I do, I mean, I, I became an instant fan of Billy. And that's that's what we do on this podcast. We have guys on this podcast and girls on this pod and women on this podcast who we just enjoy their their content. So follow him as I do at FF Muzio if you want more of this type of uh, of passionate fantasy football talk. Uh, Billy does a bunch. Billy, just promote really quick a couple of the podcasts that you're doing right now. If people want to really zero in on what you're doing. Yeah, so every Thursday, except for this week, every Thursday is typically uh, 3.30 Eastern. I record on the Player Profiler Network with Theo. It's called First Class Fantasy. We have a bunch of high-end guests come on. We talk projections and rankings. We talk high-end high end, high end, um, kind of valuation of the sport and, and kind of break things down. Um, every Sunday, I record The Dominator now. Um, it will move to Friday once we get back into the season uh, as we're watching the sport itself. But uh, that every other week is with Matt, the podfather. Um, and then every other week, I have a guest on. And then every Wednesday, I record Man vs. Machine, which is a projection show. We literally just talk projections. And we, we analyze and we debate and we discuss uh, today I have Bradley Stalder coming on. We're going to actually break down Scott Fishbowl rankings because I finished those last week and got them got them published and was super surprised at who came out as number one in this. Who's format. number one? Just give it give it away so people come over. Give it away. Travis Kelsey came out number one because I mean, it, that's not a surprise. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, it's not a surprise for if you know the for, scoring format. Well, but I meant you, more of so is <laughs> who do you know who's taking them at one one when the scoring format's bad. Yeah, I mean, the scoring format is crazy. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Scott Fishbowl, they changed it even every year it changes. And so this year it's changed. So it's already PPR and it's already this year uh, one point for a first down. Tight ends get an additional point for a first down and tight ends get an additional point for a catch. So if you break it down, Travis Kelsey has a 10-yard catch for a first down. It's five points. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of making a joke to the uh, tr Take Travis Kelsey at 101 video I did for the Player Profiler draft. Any sort of premium, even just point and a half, he finished ahead of Justin Jefferson last year. So there is a case. I mean, again, roster yeah. construction, you could do whatever the hell you want. You like to take running backs, take them. You want to take tight end. But points-wise, he did come out ahead of Jefferson. But I was doing this entire breakdown of like which quarterback I was going to take because it's also quarter point per carry now. So I was worried looking at, you know, Josh Allen versus Jalen Hurts. Can I mix in Lamar Jackson here? How creative can I get? And I was look, looking at this entire breakdown. And then all of a sudden I ran it through the algorithm. I was like, holy crap, I'm looking at this wrong. <laughs> and so I'm right. like, okay, question answered. Because not only does he like, you know, in this category does exceptional well in first downs and in, and in just total yards and catches, but if you look at the difference, you put, talk about replacement value, right? Replacement value from him to even tight end 
two, which is Mark Andrews in the scoring format, is like 200 points. And then yeah. we talk about to tight end three, it's like almost 300 points. He's double tight end six in this format. And so it's, I mean, that is a massive positional advantage. Yeah. And again, that Scott Fishbowl, everybody knows the charity event. So if you're into that, go check out Billy's podcast. But um, just circling back now to some of the uh, the high stake stuff or if you're your home league stuff, Billy, you play in a lot of leagues. You mass enter a lot of these contests. Before we get back into our players that are skyrocketing up uh, your your projections or you could see the case for it, Fab. I want to talk about Fab bidding and your strategy. <laughs> I'm you're not you're the in a little bit of ask about this. Well, maybe, well, first I'm going to ask you to explain that, and also what have you learned from some of the mistakes you made? So, Ansh, you have me curious now. Why are you not good at Fab? Do you always uh, cheap out on Fab that you don't no. give enough, or do you just you end up overspending by thirty percent on? Players? No, I'm I'm dishing out money in Fab me too. because I'm a firm believer, and I would rather have the player all year then save the money to the end and get three weeks or two weeks or one week out of a player. Okay. So, so explain what you mean there. So you're heavy in, in the first two weeks. Like those when the best free agents pop up. Yeah. Prime example was Elijah Mitchell, right? Okay. Let's talk about Elijah Mitchell because we know how much he went in fab. I was one of the driving factors of 90% of my fab being blown on Elijah Mitchell and just kind of fine print here. I owned him in 40 to 50%. I think it was 48% of my rosters. I owned Elijah Mitchell as round 19 pick 20 pick every single draft I was in. And just to give people context, 25% ownership is extraordinary. You're more, you're almost double that. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in late rounds in redraft. I want to, I want to like make sure that that's noted redraft only. I'm not doing this in best ball redraft only. I'm fine going 40, 50% ownership in rounds 19 and 20, because if anything happens, you just replace them. Right. You, you cut him. And so we had all this ownership with him and week one comes around. And of course we don't see anything from Elijah Mitchell. And so I, there was, I forget even who was on the waiver wire that week. So we ended up making drops. I think we cut him in like 20, 30 leagues. So we ended up dropping down to like whatever it was. It was well below where we were. And so when you say we, do you have a partner on this stuff? Yeah, I have a draft partner. His name is uh, Dave Hubbard. He's one of the best drafters in the world, in my opinion. And, um, you know, has almost $2 million in career earnings in fantasy football um, just from from winning leagues at FF, you know, NFFC, FFPC, you know, FFWC. He plays them all. And so um, we, ended up, yeah. we, we ended up cutting quite a bit of shares because the way we looked at it was, hey, he's number three in the depth chart. He's, we're going to have to see not only one injury, but two injuries. And <laughs> lo and behold, it happened, right? And so here we here we go. Elijah Mitchell now is the number one fab after we just dropped him. We re-added him in probably 70% of the leagues that we dropped him in. Um, and we we spent a lot of money on him. We spent anywhere from 80 to 90% of our fab because we knew the upside that that Niners running back had inside that offense and could be a game changer. That's why we drafted him so much was because of the upside. And so... We, you know, now we're on a budget in a lot of these leagues because now we're doing one dollar fat pickups, two dollar fat pickups. Is and, there zero in FFPC and what's the other one called? W, what's it called? So w. there's there's no zero fabs in either of these, That's in, what, in either either these formats. NFFC either. There's no zeros, which yeah. again, I understand why in a contest like that, there's not. Like, yeah, you want everyone to have the level playing field. So now we're on a budget, right? We have, yeah, 80% of our budget gone, 90% in some leagues that we we're running back needy. And so we have to, you know, really manage our budget throughout the rest of the season. Although I'm a firm believer in being able to get a lot of value at, at fab and you can find people for a dollar or $2 at any given week. It just limits your, your opportunity. That being said, when I say you shouldn't ask me about fab it's because every week I'm constantly overspending because 
if that guy hits, I have him for 12, 13, 14 weeks. And yeah, I'd rather I, spend the extra 30 bucks. I here. resent. I resent that you said that. Don't ask me. I think because this is my strategy, too, and it's work. So when you say that you're kidding, it sounds like you have a disagreement with Hubbard. No, he's we're dangerous with each other because we're the same. It's what happens is that we get into the playoffs. Like, so for instance, we, we play the, the 10 uh, K at FFPC. We play, so we play in both of them. Two years ago, we were playing Chad Schroeder for the, the final. It was 60 grand up top, 40 grand. Um, I think is second. And then, and so it's a difference of $20,000. We had the super team. It was the year I won the competition. So we drafted Debo late. We had Jonathan Taylor, who was RB one that year. We had Cooper cup who was, you know, wide receiver one that year. We had Najee who was a top five running back. We, this team was stacked. Josh Allen, like this team, this team was averaging almost 190 points a week. And we lose the final week by a half a point because Chad had a dollar or $2 left, and he picks up the Bears defense, which was the obvious number one defense that week, and he picks up the Justin Jackson. The two combined for like, I think it was 84 points, the two of them did. And it beats the super team because we don't we had no fab. We're sitting at zero in the final week. We didn't need fab because our team was so stacked. But had we had just two bucks, we could have blocked him on one of those players, and we would have won. And would so, you? You would have, and those were the obvious blocks, right? Obvious so, cause, blocks. Because Justin Jackson had a clarified star, and like you said, yep. the bear. So, but that's how it happens. That could have mm-hmm. also petered out the other way. So that's the variance of fantasy football that yep. you can't predict. I think that you should still, even though that burned you because you went all in on Elijah Mitchell, and then you had nothing left at the end. Having the ten dollar hammer at the end rarely works. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm with you. I, I think that the correct fab strategy is. Uh, if there's an obvious guy and don't cheap out, you know, you'll yep. hear, you'll see, you'll see these, uh, you'll see a lot of fantasy analysts give good advice, 15%, 20%, go 35%, get the guy, you get two hammers, right? You get two 40 percenters or you get one 70 percenter. I mean, then so you really, I, I like using the hammer early. Now, if some receiver, let's say like Tyler Boyd doesn't get drafted in your home league, you're doing a, fifth, a 14 round draft. Is, and Tyler Boyd is out there and he has two touchdowns a week one. He's not a hammer guy, right? Yep. It's He's still not, got a lot of mouths to feed. Right. So just be aware of that. Pay attention. Also, season it to your league. You know how your league spends. Uh, you know, if your league is is cheap and will spend $12 at most of it, then you only maybe need to do 25%. Let's get back to a few guys that are skyrocketing up your boards. Billy, who's somebody else that you're looking at and you're just ready to push them up a few rounds uh, when the right sort of set circumstances breaks? Traylon Burks. Um, it's another name that we're continuing to see climb. I just don't think he's climbing fast enough. Uh, I don't think there's another wide receiver or NFL caliber wide receiver on this team. I mean, you look at the depth charts, Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, Keen, Kyle Phillips, Chris Conley, Colton Dowell. I mean, people don't even know who that guy is, right? The only other really decent pass catcher on the team is Chigo and he plays tight end. So when we look at the opportunity share and the pie that's going to be broke down, it's, it's, it really looks like Traylon Burks is going to see probably a floor of 25, 26% target share. And I understand Tennessee Titans don't necessarily have the most pass heavy offense. They have Derrick Henry. They just hand the ball off to every game, but at some point they're going to need to throw the ball. And when they do, it's going to be Traylon Burks. I haven't projected for 26% target share, 131 targets, um, 80.8 receptions, 1,094 yards and 5.9 touchdowns. Um, it, when we look at where draft started, he was going in around eight at times in FFPC. I mean, that's ridiculous. He's starting to climb. I saw him in seven quite a bit. I started seeing him in six just recently. Um, another name that I think is going to be probably around five pick when everything's said and done, 
Um, I think he's just going to continue to climb and climb and climb throughout the summer. And so get your shares now. Yeah. I mean, I, again, we're lining up here. I'm looking for some area of disagreement, but to me, uh, Traylon Burks is almost a stone cold lock to outproduce Drake London. I mean, no, and I would agree. Who's going what two rounds before him at least at this point. Yeah. Uh, so you just look at their situations. Yeah. Burks is another one that I, I took early. I backed off him a little bit, but you're right. I mean, it's, how many uh, the total pass attempts do you have? If, if, if Tannehill stays in, do you have them projected for? Is it 550? Is it five? Is it less than that? No, it's less than that. I have them for 505 pass attempts, which is... And what market share do you have for Burks? 26% target share. And that seems conservative if they don't sign yeah. someone like Hopkins. I mean, we, we, we could see realistically 27, 28, 29% target share. Um is a real possibility inside this offense. So, so what is it about Burks? Is it because he had a slow like off season last year and he was considered like busty? I mean, what do you it, just get inside the the fantasy drafter's head? Why is Burks going in around seven six ish right now? I think one was we saw him start off slow. He only played eleven games last year, so it wasn't like he played the entire year and had nine eight hundred yards. So I think that was kind of concern number one was hey he only played eleven games. Number two, he didn't eclipse 500 yards last year, uh, and really air yards only saw 658. So there's some, there's some analytical concern from his overall performance, and we tie it to the offense, right? It's a it's a low pass volume offense. It's a run first offense, um, and we're going to see Derrick Henry dominate touches again, uh, and I, I think that's probably the the biggest concern. That being said, I don't think that we are going to see them in favorable game scripts as frequently as they, they got pretty lucky last year. I mean, the defense was a little bit better than we expected. They were in some more favorable game scripts than we expected. And so they continue to just run, 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 run the ball. And I think that we can expect some of those game scripts to flip this year where they're going to have to pass the ball a little bit more. And so I think that'll benefit Traylon Burks because like we just mentioned, there's nobody else on this roster that's really even worth mentioning outside of, you know, Chigo in the passing game. Um, and I think the last piece that was a little bit concerning was that even when he was on the field, we only saw 70% route participate. Participate. Wow. I can't even say that word. Come on. Today. This is an SAT word. Go for <laughs> it. But try it again, Billy. Let's try it again. Route participation. See, that's all you needed. You needed a good laugh to get it in. That's it. You, <laughs> oh man. I, I, I stumbled on that one. <laughs> you, this is uh, dating us a little bit, but it's, uh, it's like when you remember when the CD player would skip, you just have to smack it on the side yes. and it would go back. I mean, or the TV, you know, would that's yeah. what I just did. Or the video game, game. You blew right. in the oh, video oh, game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but that's what I just did to you. And you, you just spit it out. It came beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's definitely some concern, but everything's said and done volume reigns supreme in fantasy football. And we can expect him to see the volume this year. There's nobody else here. That's even going to remotely close eat into his, his opportunity share in the passing game. And I think that the game scripts are going to favor the passing game a little bit more this year. I still have them projected for bottom three in the league and pass attempts. So 26% of that is, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but nonetheless, still the number one option on his team. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of wide receivers, and we can continue on with the wide receivers that are going to move up. But uh, the running backs, usually they move up based on injury, right? <laughs> it's like more mm -hmm. something, a, a long breakaway run in the preseason. You know, see, uh, was it Javid Best? Is that the ultimate one, right? When he mm -hmm. was, who, who was it? Was it Javid Best that had the huge breakaway run his his uh, year at the Lions? And then he went from like round eight to round three or whatever it was. I mean, so 
who do you think it is that whether it's right or wrong, I'm not saying that this is what you would do, Billy, but is there a running back that when something happens in the preseason, it's so easy to see them moving, you know, from round six to round three or from round 10 to round five. Who's that running back that you think can skyrocket, whether it's correct or not? I, DeAndre Swift. And I think everyone knows that this kid is just uber talented. I mean, he just has not been able to stay healthy and has not been able to stay on the field. And so when we look at his opportunity share last year, he only saw 36.9% opportunity share. There was games where he was being out snapped by, you know, the RB three at, at times. Oh, Reynolds, and, right? Yeah. Reynolds. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, I, I don't, uh, was it Justin Jackson? I forget who else was there. Yeah. Like, it was just the RB four. Yeah. Okay. It was just this hodgepodge and he was getting, I mean, there was games where he was seeing 13% snap share. I mean, it was disgusting. And so people are soured by it and they, they were burnt by it. And so he moved down their board, but he just went over to Philadelphia who has arguably the best line in football. Um, and I think that even in a limited capacity is going to see some major running lanes because we also have a team that is able to attack downfield. We also have a team that commands um, the secondary's attention. And we also have a rushing quarterback who's going to open up running lanes. And so, even in a limited capacity, Swift has the ability to significantly outperform ADP. He was RP2 in yards per touch last year, 6.3 yards per touch. That is massive. I don't think what is that? Want- So what does that measure? That measures uh, any reception or carry, right? Correct. And okay. so, I mean, every time he touches the ball, we're saying he's going to get 6.3 yards. So you give it to him twice, you have a first down. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and and when we look at that from a fantasy perspective, every two touches is is one point six fantasy points. And so if if he's only getting even you know, 13, 14 touches a game. That's not great, but I mean, he's still going to be producing flex value there, even on the low side. And so if we can get him closer to that and that's without a touchdown, if we can get him closer to that 20 touches a game, whether it be, you know, in the passing game and on the ground, we're talking about a floor of 10 points without a touchdown. And so I think I really like his his upside in this offense. We know this is an offense that's going to be near the red zone. Uh, Swift also a, a a massive, you know, breakaway runner. We saw 8.1%, which was RB5 in the league. And and so he has the ability to take it to house on any given play. And I, I really like the fact that he's here in Philly now. And the reason why I'm going to say he could shoot up draft boards is because the reason that's holding him down right now is because of the RBBC that Philadelphia always utilizes. We know they have Gainwell. We know they have Scott. They went out and they signed Rashad Penny. We all know that Rashad Penny is not the model of health. And so if we see anything in preseason that would allow you know, or clarity and we see that Penny gets hurt, or what if they cut him because his contract is minimal? So there's a real opportunity they cut him. And if they do cut him, that leaves us now with Gainwell and Swift. And Swift's going to skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, Penny's contract being low would be almost a reason to hold him. It, there's no cost to holding unless you need a roster spot. But, you know, it, Penny and Swift do two different things, right? So you almost think like DeAndre Swift's 15 touches a game. That's like perfect for him. You don't want him to have 19, 22 touches because then he'll be out for three, four weeks. Even at Georgia, he was a low, you know, touch count guy. Uh, uh, you know, Swift is someone I've stayed away from. Maybe there's a little bias in there, but when we say skyrocket, he's going in around six ish right now. Would you say that's seven at FFPC now? Okay. So, and that's a running back thirsty, uh, format. Where do you think is if, if all this comes true, where do you see him going on labor day? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 3-4 turn. 3-4 turn. Interesting. All right. I mean, we're talking about if this, if if he, like I said, if he's given the opportunity of the 18, 20 touch a game, if he's given that opportunity in my opinion, he has the ability to finish as the RB1 in fantasy football just because of his upside. I just, it's a breakdown to health and how much he can stand the field. If you enjoy videos like this, everybody, enjoy uh, player discussion on where the projections are going, consider hitting that like button. You know, leave us a comment as you're always doing right there. And we appreciate the chat there, but hit the like button. Let us know. Uh, that lets us know that you want more stuff like this. And also, right now, Rotowire, uh, we have, I always say, Billy, the best fantasy players subscribe to multiple draft kits. You know, I'm a paying subscriber of the player profiler draft kit that you guys just dropped right now. But if someone wants to take a peek at the Rotowire draft kit, we're going to let you see it for free for two days. You can see it right there on the video screen or in the video description below. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod, P-O-D. Just put in your email and the paywall unlocks for two days. There's no credit card to put in, nothing to cancel. If you don't like what you see after two days, it just goes away. If you like, you can subscribe in earnest. So I'm talking with Billy Muzio, Director of Operations. Wow. That's my old job over at Player Profiler. Uh, no, I, but what's the what's the biggest pain in the ass thing you have to do as Director of Operations? I know you like everybody, you like working with everybody. That's not what I mean. But like, what task is just like the one you least look forward to running all the business operations right now at player profiler. It's probably answering all the customer support emails. Um, some of them are just like, really? Give, give me an example. <laughs> oh man. Of one uh, that's maybe not just, just like an annoying one or repetitive one. Give me something. Like a guy, a guy wasn't able to get access like the rankings and, said he had the subscription. I had I had to ask if he was logged in and he was not logged in. Right? It's like, yes, you got to log in to view those. What so we have at Rotowire, we have <laughs> so, so that became such a tedious task that you're talking about. Yeah. It's its own job. We have literally they hired a person. Now Rotowire yeah. is a legacy company. It's been around since 19 in the you know the late 90s. So uh, they are able, they allocated a one person literally to answer all of those things. You are doing it in addition to all the other operations, I do not envy that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes I get the, like, I, I read a couple and I'm like, okay, that's going to require me to do a little bit of time. I'm going to come back to this. Right. And I try to answer all the customer emails I get by the, by the end of the day that I, you had I get them. You, um, you know, there's times I'll push it to the next day or if I don't know how to do the item yet, 
because, you know, I'm fairly new to player profile. I've been here since March. And so I'm still learning to do some of these processes, you know? And so if, if there's, if I need help with it, I, I let them know, Hey, um, you, your email has been received. I'll get, I'll circle back with you in about a day. Right. And so That's I let all- them know, but but That's all people want to know. They just want to know that they're being heard. I, you know, I mean, yeah. how many times have you been on hold with the cable company and then they either just like phone for you or disconnect you or the airlines? You know, it's it. We just want to know. We don't want to hear annoying hold music. We just want to know our emails received and somebody's on it. Yeah. My favorite thing is when they hold you until they're closed and they tell you they're closed. Uh- Oh man, that's that's a that's a West Coast thing. They don't do that in the East Coast because of the time difference. Uh, Billy, I I don't want to keep you forever, but I have a, a ton of other questions for you. Uh, I, I Cam Akers to me this seems like an obvious one to move up. I don't even know if you one. Just tell me if you're interested in Cam Akers and listen. I, one of my favorite fantasy strategies that's worked and it could not work at some point is look at players that we liked the previous year that had a bad year but just finished like. You know, gangbusters. You know, Jerry Judy finished strong. Cam Akers finished strong. I'm not saying you're going to get RB1 Cam Akers, but is it easy to see right now that that he could skyrocket? Where are you going to be on Akers? Yeah, Cam Akers is, is another one I was going to I was going to okay. mention if if we kept going down down the rabbit hole. But I think it's just going to break down to is he going to piss off Sean McVay or not, right? And that's something that is just so hard to project. We've seen them have this 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 you know, scuff between the two of them. And it's been the stain on cam acres, but I think now of necessity, they have to rely on him. They don't really have anyone else there. That is, you don't really like Sony Michelle. I guess I'm just kidding. No, don't no. like Sony Michelle. I mean, Kyron Williams is, is, is undersized. He's a pass catcher, but I don't think he's going to, you know, equate to be much in the league. Um, they drafted. What is it? Zach Evans. That who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, they they are, and, and they also, <clears throat> uh, another Evans, they already cut. You know, so, but here's the thing. Isn't this like the fact that they signed Sony Michelle? I know he was there last year and he knows the offense, but the fact that they didn't bring in one of the name brand guys, the Zeke's, the Lenny's, even Kareem Hunt, Melvin yeah. Gordon, even doesn't that say that, isn't that like a vote of confidence in Akers? Yeah. It signals to me that they, that they trust in him and that they're going to rely on him. I think it's safe to say that we could probably see 52, 53% of the rushing share is going to go to Cam Akers. It'll be about 224 attempts. Um, I think it kind of solidifies his role in the passing game as well, um, which he hasn't really been utilized that much. But I think that we can see that increase a bit this year just because of the lack of weapons they have in the in the, in the passing game. Uh, their wide receiver two right now is Van Jefferson. Wide receiver three is debatably Tutu Atwell. And then, um, you know, the number two target option is probably Tyler Higby. And so I think that we might see little bit more utilization of the running backs this year as well in the passing game. So I think that his opportunity share is pretty massive this year. It's a clear cut above 50% rush share guy. And there's not a lot of people that you can say about that in the league these days as more and more teams go to the RBBC model. And so anytime we can see a running back that's going to see 50 plus percent of the rushing share, we want to have that on our team because I mentioned earlier, opportunity is king in fantasy football. And if you have that many opportunities, you're going to score points. So I I like Cam Akers. I think he's being undervalued this year. This is actually the first year I've ever been on Cam Akers. I've never been a big Cam Akers fan. I I was always just taking the later guy at ADP, which was always, you know, Henderson. And this year, it's a clear cut number one for me. And it's Cam Akers. If you want to go receiver, 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 in your draft. And that's a very viable strategy, especially in a three receiver league. You just want to load up on stuff. You want to go CD lamb, Devonte Smith, Christian Watson. You just want to hit it, hit it, hit it. 
Najee Harris and Cam Akers are the the answer. I mean, those are the two running backs that, I mean, you could put in who your favorite are, but Cam Akers, I know you see the term must draft. Literally, he's a must draft for your best shot to have a top 12 running back. Yeah, I try to add him whenever I can. I've been doing some pretty off the wall builds lately just because. What does that know, mean? Explain what that means. I, I, I try to create builds that are just way out there that people won't build. Right? You need the total uniqueness where it doesn't yeah. have, it's not likely, but if it does, you're winning a million. Okay. Yeah. We're talking like 10 straight wide receivers in the start of the draft. Right. And then we're, we're talking about five straight running backs to start the draft. Right. We're talking two, two tight end starts, two quarterback starts, things that are just people look at it and say, is this guy drunk? Right. Because it's, if it hits, it's, it's going to hit. And if, if it doesn't, then great. I have, you know, 140 other teams that are built to, to, to win normally. And so I, I build these things and I don't do it, you know, a lot. I might, I might throw in about 10% of my total teams in these unique bills, but they're fun to make, man. Like you don't care about what the draft board looks like. You're just literally drafting off a strategy and it's, it, you see people tilt to in draft rooms. That's probably the best part. People get angry because they're like, there's no way this guy's going to take another receiver. He's got seven. And then you double tap receiver on the turn. Oh, I just, just experienced <laughs> it in a dynasty league with, with a QB horde. Someone was Q. I'm sure you saw it spill out onto Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I was in that, in that draft room. Somebody was just taking five QBs in the first six round. And the, it just, it, it sent someone basically to the insane asylum. So there's, there's a difference between doing bills that are unique and doing bills that are suboptimal. Five QBs are suboptimal. In a super, it was a super oh, flex, but okay. Super flex is okay. And, yeah. And it was a best ball too, which is even more optimal. So you never, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fine. Okay. I thought yeah. we were talking about normal, normal, like one. No, no, I should have <laughs> clarified. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but like I said, it does tilt people, which is even just worth the entry price in itself. Yeah, I had this guy, we were drafting and we had this 10, 10 receiver start build because there's a lot of running backs late that have some upside. And, you know, it, if, well, who are the couple of the guys? Just, you know, lightning round them out, no explanation. Who, if you go like six or seven, uh, 10 receivers, who are a couple of the guys that at least have a chance to make that build uh, be a winner? Well, I mean, Zamir White, what if, what if Jacobs actually sits out, God. right? I mean, now you have a potential RB2, RB3. What if Pierre, Pierre Strong, what if Ramondre Stevenson gets hurt? What if they actually utilize him in the passing game and they go back to the RBC build, right? You have um, Gibson who's been following because of the Kareem Hunt news. What if he is a 60-60 catch guy and is seeing 30, 35% of the rushing share? He's now an RB2, right? And so there's all these guys, Fournette. Fournette is going in round 16, 17. What if he signs in a favorable situation and he just sees 30 to 40% of the rushing right. share and now right. he's an RB35? Right. Like right. what if he's the guy that that um, replaces Ramondre with an injury or yeah. something? Kareem like that? Hunt. Yeah. Kareem Hunt's going undrafted in like around 18, 19 in God. some of these places. And I mean, what if he actually when he signs, I, I think he will sign when he signs, he probably shoots up to like round 12, 11. And so a lot of these guys I'm taking just late stabs on and these you know, wide receiver heavy build teams and, you know, praying for one or two running backs to hit. And if they do forget about it yeah. every year the team that has the biggest advantage in your league is the team that identifies like QB eight or later that finishes his QB two or one every year. It's Lamar Jackson is the best example recently. Jalen hurts last year, even if he was QB. I mean, so it happens every year. It's going to happen this year. Mahomes. If you were to bet Mahomes versus the field to finish his QB one, you take the field. It's just a lock in bet. But who is that QB this year in the high stakes streets, in your home league, in your office league, single quarterback, that you clearly see not being drafted in the top, you know, of the, the elite tier is eight, if I have. It might be 
seven for you. It might be nine for you. I have no idea. But who's that one that's going QB 14, QB 18, that literally is going to have a shot to be in that top five at the end of the season? Quarterback 14 through quarterback 18. It could be quarterback 13 if you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's the one that if, you, if you're if you not playing the elite quarterback game and you're not taking Lamar Jackson in round four, yeah. or it's Justin Herbert in five, who's the one that's the, right now, I mean, even if it's obvious, Billy, like there's one every year that does it. Yeah, I for me, it's Russell Wilson this year. Um, I, he had just a horrible year last year. I'm going to chalk it up to uh, Hackett, not being able to hack it on, on the Denver Broncos. And so- Very good. <laughs> I like I a good pun. I like a good pun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very punny. It's um, Russell Wilson. We've seen him do it before, right? Consistently a quarterback one in this league. Gets Sean Payton. We know that, you know, he had the blessing of, of Drew Brees and, and being able to be tied with one of the better quarterbacks in history. And so I think people may look at that and say, oh, Payton isn't, is a little overvalued, but he did get the most out of a lot of the players he was with throughout his career. And I think that he is going to be able to unlock Russell Wilson again and kind of get him out of this negative mindset. Um, they have Lombardi and Lombardi is, is going to get the most out of the receivers. I mean, he's always favored the X receiver. We saw career years come out of Michael Thomas. We saw career year come out of Mike Williams. And so I think that we have a really good shot at this offense, really surprising people. People forget that Javante Williams um, is recovering from injury and, um, we're probably going to see a pretty pass heavy offense to start the season, the first four to five weeks, in my opinion. And so that's going to get Russ cooking. And if Russ continues to cook, I don't know how much that, that, that philosophy changes throughout the rest of the season. So there's a real opportunity where Russell Wilson is in a very pass heavy offense with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Greg Dulcich, you know, don't forget they drafted Marvin Mims. They still have Patrick and Hamler. So there's a lot of pieces to like inside of this offense. Russell Wilson still has the ability to run the ball. I mean, we know he's running less and less throughout his his career, but I still think he has the opportunity to finish as a quarterback one and potentially a top six quarterback. I have him as quarterback number 11 inside of my rankings and, right now. And that's and you're the high man. You're the high man. And I'm the high man. Yeah. And just to add one thing, because you outlined it perfectly there, Billy, is that week 16, 17, and 18, Russell Wilson, quarterback three, I think he was. He was quarterback two. Yeah. You can't week 16, 17, 18. So we just talked about, or I mentioned good finishes. As soon as they got rid of Hackett and, you know, somewhere around there, Russell Wilson uh, took off. All right. Last question for you. And I didn't prep you for this one. So if you don't have an immediate answer, I'll fill, I'll fill the dead air here, Billy. But real NFL, if you were made the commissioner, Commissioner Billy Muzio, and you could change a rule. That you would like to see. I mean, it could be nonsense. It could be real. Is there ever a real NFL rule that you think needs changing that might make the game better, the viewing experience better? Is there anything off the top of your head? And I know that's a tough question, but I didn't prep you. Oh, I got one. Quarterbacks need to be able to be a hit. You need to be able to hit a quarterback. It changed the game so much. Now that you can't touch players, you see 15, you see roughing the penalty, roughing the pass penalties that change games now. And it just, angers me like he just laid his hands on him where he he fell on him with his weight right this is ridiculous like if, if you're playing football you need to be able to take a hit and i think that like what was the joke i think it was jo- joe montana saying he wanted to come out of retirement because now he could play until he was 70 because people can't touch him right and it's the, it's the same thing jordan said he said he'd be averaging 40 in today's game where he, you know everything's a foul 
Yeah. And so it's, this the thing is like the game's gotten a little soft and I understand it's for the safety of the players and then everything that's happened with uh, 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 Billy, Billy, I'm going to stop you here. It's not for the safety of the players. It's for the TV ratings because if, if, if Patrick Mahomes is injured in a playoff game and he's not playing TV ratings, not as good. So let's yeah. not say it's about player safety. It's about money for advertising for viewership. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I think there, there's so many different ways that you could, you know, <laughs> label this. But either way, I think it's 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 weak, man. Like I want to see, I want to see teams get, you know, fighting in the trenches. I want to see teams battling it out. I want to see a big hit that causes a fumble that is not going to be called as roughing the passer because those change games, and that's what changes. It changes the league overall. And and we look at back to where people were getting hit, quarterbacks weren't taking as many chances now. Now they're having to to really look downfield, doing quick passes. They're not going to just sit back in the pocket as much because now they know that it's flag football and they get touched or down, right? It's it's I want to I want to see hits again. Yeah, no, that's good. Bring bring back, you know, decapitations. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's the reason why boxing doesn't you know, fighting sports do well in you know, in normal but in the Olympics when they're wearing headgear and these giant gloves that nobody watches. It's the same principle there. People want to see you know, this this ballet of violence, you know, this it's like beautiful violence in a way. And I, I'm with you there. The one rule here, I, I've said it on this podcast before. I'm curious if your reaction is uh, just um, if a team has the ball on, like, say, their six yard line, Billy, right? Their own six, they're pinned and they get a holding call. What's the right now? What's the penalty? It's half the distance to the right. to the goal. Right. Bullshit. No, no, no half the distance. What I want to do is take the 10 yards and move the first down marker back 10 yards the other way. No half the distance, make the distance further because now the holding penalty is only a three-yard penalty. Yeah, The holding hold. should be 10, so move it the other way. Are we down yeah. with this? Put me on the one-yard line, the whole line's holding. <laughs> right, 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 exactly, exactly. So move the, the first down marker the other way. I, That'd you know, be I'm interesting. Saying, right. I mean, you know, maybe there's a, like inside the, you know, five, you do that maybe. So it's just because the penalty is not significant enough. So that's uh, Billy Muzio. You're generous with your time. You know I enjoy following along. Everyone should follow Billy at FF Muzio. Check out Player Profiler and all the podcasts that we reference. All the links will be in the video and audio description below. And we'll be back next week with another Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Noise, noise. The sun goes down.